0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob.
1: And I'm Natasha.
0: In this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing a couple games. We're going to be looking at Key to the Kingdom, which is a family weight kids game from Restoration Games. And then we are also going to be taking a look at Penny Black, which is from Buffalo Games, which is about stamp collecting. So yeah.
1: Collect, compete commemorate
0: yep exactly what she said um and then then in the discussion topic we're going to talk about board game inserts which is going to be super riveting but in all actuality part of the reason why we're talking about it is um we talked a lot about how we pick games and one of the things we talked about was setup time which in some ways kind of you know it's kind of inserts are kind of in that point now where they do tend to help with setup and stuff. So we're just going to kind of talk about it. What kind of inserts we like, what kind we don't like, just the like the different kinds that are available and that sort of thing. Um, in case people were curious, I did receive a copy of Ticket to Ride Legacy. No <gasps> thanks to Natasha. You did? I had to go, yeah, I had to go get it myself.
1: So we can like, talk about it now?
0: No. Nope. We can't talk about Ticket to Ride. We've got to hush-hush about Ticket to Ride. It's so that good. Is...
1: Max and I finished it.
0: Oh, yeah, Ooh, yeah. Good We played you. the whole
1: thing <laughs> in like a good, week.
0: Good, good for you. I'm excited that you were able to play the entire thing in a week. You know, if I had a copy, I might have been able to get through it. But unfortunately, that was not the case for me. I had to go drive 45 minutes to go get it. So.
1: Yeah, sorry about that.
0: Are you though? I don't like I think like I feel you I like I hear the words. I hear you saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it just, you know, deep down inside, it doesn't feel like it. You know what I'm I, saying? I'm
1: not experiencing a whole lot of pain over it. That's true. <laughs> That's Fair what you're asking.
0: Fair enough.
1: <laughs> can I can I talk about one thing in the game though that I really want to talk about?
0: Sure. Go okay. for it. What is it?
1: I really like the game uh I won't spoil anything except for I'm going to spoil one thing and
0: No, wait, 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 wait. wait. You're going to spoil something?
1: It it's, it comes out after the first game. It's 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 a tool they give you that I really want to share what it is. It doesn't spoil anything, but I am like giving away what you're going to get when you after the oh, first man, game. Oh
0: man, I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to hear this, let alone Oh, it's so know, good though. I mean, you do what you got to do. All I'm saying, okay, alert for anyone who does not want any information for Ticket to Ride Legacy. Fast forward, like, I don't know, how long is it going to take you? 20 seconds talk about this thing? A couple
1: minutes. Maybe a couple minutes. You're going to talk about it for
0: a couple minutes? Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe not that long, but... I'm All pretty right, well, I really
1: yeah. like it. But if you want nothing, it won't spoil the story or anything. It's just a really fun thing that's in there. That's totally worth. It might it might push you over the edge if you're not if you're not planning on getting it, you might push you over the edge. It, and if it sounds really lame when when I do tell you about it, then then you'll know it's probably not a game for you. <laughs>
0: Were you excited when you opened it up? Yes. I don't want to like ruin my excitement when I open this thing up. I just uh Go, all ahead. Right, all right, Go ahead. Go right. ahead. No, 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 Go ahead. Do your thing.
1: Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead spoil it for Here, everybody. Okay. Fast forward. If you don't want to hear about this, yeah. it comes after the first game, you open up this box and there's a hole punch in it. And so after you complete tickets, you punch them with the hole punch. That is At,
0: awesome. And
1: then throughout the game, like as you do other things, you punch other things like the events and other things that come up and... It is it, it it takes it to a whole nother level. It is That's awesome. so much fun. Like after every game, you just kind of go through and you punch everything that you did. It's so fun.
0: I kind of wish I didn't know that that was a thing, um, and I kind of would have stumbled upon it myself. But truth be told, it probably it at the end of the day, like it doesn't really matter that much to me. I, like I'm still gonna be excited you're gonna, about you're like to enjoy
1: it and have fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Once you do it, but it it. It makes the whole thing so fun.
0: I will say this. Y- you have to be really excited about something in order to, like, spoil it. To spe- specifically to me, because you know how much you and I, like, you and I have both anticipated this game. Like, when we heard about it, we were like, just just take my money. Like, we want this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a legacy. It's a ticket to ride. Like, all the things we like. John, play it with Ben. Play it with Ben. But, like, that's the thing is, you know, it it has all the things that we want and all the things that we like. So yeah. And the fact that you're just like, I got to share this thing. Like you've just been like chomping at the bit. Oh man. It it was so
1: fun. It was so fun. It was like the right level of, of weight. Like there's enough things that they're adding to it, but it doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm it. Like it doesn't, it, it not like my, I don't like machi coral because it kind of just added like a new thing, a new thing, a new thing. And all of a sudden you've got all these rules you have to manage. It does a really good way of, of like adding new things and then taking those things away. So it doesn't last forever. So you're not just compiling new things. Yep. And also like, there's not like a pandemic. There was a very set timeline, you know, that we all yes. played the same timeline. This is different, different directions with it, which is really fun. It's, it's really good. And I'm totally going to pick up another copy and play. I want, cause I want to play it um, with my whole family. I just played it max and I two player. I think it'll be a little bit better at four players or just so you'll just Kind of experience more of it, so I'm I'm gonna pick up another copy and play it again.
0: That's pretty big of you to pick up in a whole another copy to play with your entire family.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: that's that says a lot about the game. And the thing is, like, it's the team, right? It's Matt Leacock, Rob Davio, and Alan Moon. Like all three, like the team that would be put to the- especially Matt Leacock and Rob Davio. Like very rarely have they come up with a legacy game that's been a dud. I think Seafall they had a little hand in, which mm-hmm. wasn't very good. But like, yeah, I don't know when it's just like that's the team putting it together and you have the original designer Ticket to Ride like working together. Like, yeah,
1: it's classic Ticket to Ride. If you don't like Ticket to Ride, you probably won't like it. It's not any it's just it's just Ticket to Ride. But it's got a really great Old West theme, you know, with a little story throughout it. The whole thing. It just works really well. The whole thing works really well. And it's a lot of fun. It's a great family game. It's it's quick. It's it didn't take us that long at all. You know, my son doesn't like sitting down and playing terribly long games. And so the games were really quick. I mean, it helps. We played two player that made it even quicker.
0: Yeah. I, the only issue that sometimes I run into is like ticket to ride the base, like us version at two player. I don't think is great. I think if you're going to play that at a low play count, I think three is the minimum that I would. I mean, I've played it at two, but I think I'd rather play it at three but you take like Nordic countries is like really tight and aggressive at two player. Cause I think that one only goes two or three and something like that. Like it can be a lot more mean cause then you're actually like taking these things from them. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to play it. I have it. We were going to bust it out the other day, but it just didn't kind of work out. So the goal is the next podcast you hear, we're going to be talking about it. That is my goal is to get through at least enough of it where we can just have a conversation about it and kind of give our give our opinions but
1: all right well i'm looking forward to it because i had fun with it
0: yeah i yeah i've i've received enough enough texts that say hey hey have you played have you started playing the ticket ride i want to talk about ticket ride yeah (laughs) yes you sound that way (laughs) all right let's talk about the games we're reviewing this week huh um so this week i want to talk about key to the kingdom this is a family weight dice rolling game. Designed by Matthew O'Malley and Ben Rosett. Art is by Andrew Bosley. And it is published by Restoration Games. And as you know, Restoration Games takes older games. And they'll basically uh, put a new spin on it. Like bring it to modern board game kind of time. So they'll take something and they'll give it, you know, revitalize it. So in this game, players take on the roles of mythical heroes. Going on quests in order to find the three missing pieces of a magical key. That will send the players to the Demon King. So they can defeat him once and for all. So this is going to be a dice rolling game. At the start of each game, players will choose one of several characters they can play, which comes with a special power as well as eight items to use on their adventure. On a player's turn, they will roll their player die and move their character around the board. So this is a roll and move game, but players can use the items to change their die results. So when they use an item, it becomes exhausted until they refresh it. The other thing a player can do is take a heroic nap, which allows them <laughs> to refresh some of their items.
1: A heroic nap is that different than a regular nap
0: i I guess I mean they're heroes right like you're not heroes don't take regular naps. Chuck Norris does not take naps like the world he takes shuts
1: heroic down heroic naps got it yeah
0: <laughs> i I'm just telling you how it is like I don't know what you want me to what you want me to tell you anyway um, and this lets them refresh some items. Uh, Moving around the board, players will be activating different spots. They mostly want to end up activating an adventure space. So this is where players can gain one of the three key segments they need. Um, These spots will usually have a challenge that players need to accomplish. So for example, if you land on the Sleeping Giant adventure, you have to roll your dice below a three uh, so many times in order to complete the adventure. So it almost has like a path. So you roll your die. You can adjust it using your items. If it goes below a three, you move on to the next step. You move on to the next step. And once you complete it, you're going to gain a part of the key. Uh, Once players have all three key pieces, they'll get a chance to defeat the Demon King, which is also going to have a set of uh, challenges just like the adventure spaces, except they're going to change on each tier. So the first tier is going to be a certain thing you're trying to hit. The next tier, you're trying to hit something else. Next tier, you're trying to hear, hit something else, and then you have a final tier that you're trying to overcome. Um, and really, that's most of the game. Uh, the first player who defeats the Demon King is going to win. Uh, I think what makes this game fun is like is the theme and artwork. So it's cute, it's fun, it's whimsical. Andrew Bosley does a really good job with his artwork. He's one of those uh, people I often look, to, like, look forward to the games that they, they create. Um, there is a gimmick in this game, which is the main central board. So the board basically opens up and closes, uh, when players will land on a portal. So if you land on a portal, the, that side of the board will open up. The player stays in the portal spot. And then any other players that were on that space end up going into what they call the void, which is just, you move to a new space. And then when you roll your die, you can start moving around the board. So I'm going to, I will preface this with, this is a, this is a family not necessarily a family game it's a family game but it's designed i think more for like children so my daughter and i have played this game um and as you know like i'm often looking for games that will be engaging for me while still providing fun and entertainment for my 9-year-old um and this one's this one does it it keeps me interested I think there's times where it might be slightly longer than it needs to be, but it also is based on, you know, how the players are interacting. Like when we first started playing, my daughter didn't want to use any of her magical items. She just wanted whatever she rolled, she was gonna do, and I was like, Well the point is you're using those as a resource to make adjustments. So then you can basically say, All right, I rolled a three, all right, and I want to move five spaces, so I'm gonna flip the magical item that says plus or minus two so i'm going to flip it i become a five and i can move forward so it gives you a little bit of that dice adjustment um the other thing that's kind of cool is as you move you're going to be activating spaces and there's a variety of spaces on the board you're going to be activating like i said one of the things i cover in the overview is the adventure space which is the primary way you're going to be gaining key, the key pieces you want to do those in order to get the three different key pieces so you can advance to the final like round. But there are spots on the board. There's spots called the boring spot, which has no icon. (laughs) Uh, There is the refresh spot, so it'll have a little number and it kind of a couple arrows, so it allows you to refresh some of your magical items. There's the demon die space, which allows you to give the demon die to an opponent. And the demon die is interesting because the dice in the game are d8s. So one through eight. But the demon die. Is also an eight sided die, but the max number is 11 and the lowest number is zero. So it's like zero, three, five, seven, nine, 11 or something like that. So there are times where you actually want the demon die and there's other times you don't. Like if you're doing a challenge where like your goal is to roll below, you know, three, you probably don't want that demon die. But there are some challenges where you want to roll above stuff. So you kind of want that demon die. Or you really want to, like, move around the map. And if you roll an 11, you can roll you can move a lot of different spaces. So it's interesting that getting the demon die is not always a negative thing. It can be a positive thing in some cases. Um, the other thing you can do is you can land on, like, events. So you land on an event, you flip a card. It could be an, either an encounter where you're rolling a dice to see if you're hitting a certain number. and When you do, something happens. Like, you could acquire a new magical item. You can also acquire companions, which will help in your adventures. So to go back to that that Sleeping Giant example, there are times where you don't have to roll a die. You can just advance if you have certain things. Like if you have a, one of your items is a cupcake. If you have that cupcake and it's not exhausted, well, you can advance to the next tier because you have that cupcake. Let's say you have a... Like a, a beanstalk giant. Like if you have the beanstalk giant, you can advance to the next space. So all the different challenges, one of the spaces you can advance past is usually an item that you start with. And then there's two spots that you can, for like companions that you can acquire through these event cards. So I find that interesting. It's enough to keep my attention while playing with my daughter and having fun. It's not the most strategic game. Because you're really just rolling a dice and adjusting the number with your magic items. And then even when you're dealing with the, you know, the Demon King at the end, it's it's you you have some tokens on the board, so you flip a token, and it could be maybe a three or it could be a six, and it's like you have to either hit that number or exceed it. Well, if you flip the three, it's easier. But as you advance, if you fail, you go back, and now you can move forward again, and you can flip the next token. So you can you're you're getting more information it almost feels like it gives the ability for a player who's a little bit behind to catch up because you're just flipping things at random to see what you have what you have to beat overall though I think for uh for a kid's game, I enjoyed it like you're you're rolling some dice, you're just kind of manipulating the dice moving around the board sometimes you give the your other person or your give your opponent a demon die and haha ha, you got the demon die like take that there's oftentimes Lila would get it and land on that space or make sure she lands on that space and he's like ha dad you get the demon die you know stuff like that so it was it was fun that way
1: seems like it'd be a good replacement for like uh, Candyland or Sorry yes. or Trouble those types of yes. games where you're moving around the board this is better it's more interesting but kids are going to be really good for young kids.
0: Yeah, and I and it obviously it helps with math because you like you have plus or minus one, plus or minus two, so it gives kids an opportunity to understand like okay, if I roll a five, I can make it a seven, I can do a five, or I can make it a three. So you know it obviously teaches them those skills. There's the event cards that I think are interesting, but it's all like you're just rolling dice and manipulating the die, so it's not the most strategic game. But as far as a, as a kids family weight game, that sort of thing. I actually find myself enjoying the game. Um, it might get to the point where it might be a smidge boring. There is two rule books. One is like basically like learn to play. Here are the rules, and then there's a book of the challenges. So when you when you land on an adventure space, there's the adventure challenges that you have to go through. The book will explain. Then there's other like mini challenges that you can go do, which will also give you something they won't give you a part of the key but they'll give you something that hopefully is a benefit. Um so there's a lot of referencing that, but once you kind of gone through a couple, the iconography on the board's pretty simple to understand.
1: Awesome. So what are you going to rate this game?
0: Um I'm coming in at a 7, but that's with the caveat of I'm thinking of it as a kids game and not necessarily like a like adult game, if that makes sense. My thought yeah. process being like, if if you know, playing as playing this as with my children, how am I going to rate my experience? I'm giving it a seven. Now, if it was like, how about playing with adults? It's probably going to be less. It's probably going to be maybe like a six. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I really like what Restoration does, bringing some of these old classics back and revitalizing them. And you know the artwork goes a long way with Andrew Bosley. I think it's it has like a really cool, whimsical, mythical creature kind of vibe to it. The boards, as much as that's a gimmick, it's fun because that's another thing you can like land on a space. Oh, you put dad in the void. Ugh! Now I have to start all over, move to these different spots. I don't know. I I, I was I thought it was I thought it was cool. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. It kept me engaged while playing with my daughter. So that is key to the kingdom.
1: All right. Next up, I want to talk about Penny Black, a, a stamp collecting game. It's a drafting tiling game, I suppose. It's designed by Dylan Mangini and Aaron Mesburn. There's quite a few artists down there and it's published by Buffalo Games. So this is a nice light drafting game. You'll draw some random stamps out of a bag and then there'll be three on each um, area that you can draft from. You'll draft whatever one you want. And place them on one of your two stamp collecting pages of your book. You know, each each page is a separate page. And then at the beginning of the game, you're gonna you're gonna pick a couple of scoring cards, one for each side, a um, one white card for each side, and one black card for each side, and they just score a little bit differently. Um, and they're just basically four separate ways to score. And at the end of the game, you'll score based on the way that you. Your cards say you could score and that's the game. You'll yeah. also you'll also score points for any penny black stamp that you've collected that is surrounded by uh, another stamp. so you get two points for every every one color that you have surrounding it. So you want to take your penny blacks and surround them by a bunch of the same color stamps. The stamps are like one of three sizes. There's a square and then there's two rectangles. They're, they're exactly the same size, but one's vertical and one's horizontal. You have to place the stamp facing, you know, the the correct orientation. And then um, there's some rules about how you place them. But really, it's just a little, it's all about uh, the rules of those cards that you've drafted. It might say, you know, you want to get points for every stamp around the edge, or you'll get points for certain color stamps, or just, just diff- different ways to score points. and It's just this nice light game about stamp collecting, and it's about as heavy as as you would imagine it would be. It's 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 light, you know, and it's in the same vein. Like if if you like stamp collecting, like you could play this game if you don't ever play board games. It's very approachable. It's very delightful. What I think makes it really shine is the production. So the tile, the stamps are all tiles, which are really nice. They're like little plastic tiles. It comes in a nice bag. The book that you place the stamps into is really nice. It's thick. Everything about it is very lovely. It's a very lovely game about stamp collecting. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it looks cool. The aesthetic is pretty sweet. Those, yeah, the stamps are those nice chunky tiles. You have the recessed boards in which you're placing it in there. Like they did a very good job with the production on this, for sure.
1: Yeah, and it it it's nothing new or, or crazy or different, but the way they do the scoring is kind of interesting. It's a little, it feels a little puzzly. You know, everyone, it's drafting, it's easy and and approachable. It's just a really lovely, simple game, but that's enjoyable to play.
0: Man, the one thing I am really enjoying lately is seeing these unique themed games like junk drawer you have you know penny black the fit to print like these granted i mean everything i've mentioned is a tile laying game of some kind but the just these unique interesting themes that kind of look at outside the box of certain things you know like
1: i feel like they are branching out from like yeah nerdum you know yes. Yep. You know, these games are approachable for all peoples. You don't need to be a nerd to enjoy these games. And that's why I like them so much. I love these unique things. This is a game that they could sell at Target. Somebody could pick it off off the shelf, knowing nothing about it. And they would be able to figure out how to play it and have a great time playing it. And if they brought it to my house and wanted to play it with me, I would totally play it. It is a fun, nice, quick game.
0: Yeah, it seems like I said, it seems cool. I th- and I like I said, it's cool to see. Like you said, the unique themes coming out, like people are taking concepts of like just different things. Like even like take this last episode when we were talking about, you know, galactic cruise, they're taking a space theme game, but it's not about necessarily space. It's about building a cruise ship and not like a vessel on the seas. It's a ship. Right. So, like, I don't know if it's necessarily I see the weights 1.67. I it's seems pretty light.
1: It's very light. That you there's a couple of rules about how you can place the tiles, but other than that, you just you, if you place them better, you'll score more points based on your personal goal. But it's, that's it. The, you know, there's there's very very it's like I don't know, it's lighter than, you know, it doesn't have the brain burningness of Calico. You know how Calico, you can just really place them anywhere. You can't really you screw up the rules. Yep. But it's brain burning. This is not brain burning at all. Like you you just Place them and, and have fun doing it. You you grab three tiles at once. Unless it's a penny black, then you can only take the one penny black. But um, you get extra points for that. So there's just different ways to score, and it's not going to hurt your brain. Good end of the night game.
0: Do you know anyone who ever collected stamps? I do not. You don't? Okay. How about, like, coins? I mean, that's the next step, right? Go from collecting stamps. There's going to be a game about collecting coins.
1: Yeah. That would be easy to do, yeah
0: yeah I mean, you could probably retheme this for the same kind of thing, but so yeah, what are you gonna rate the game?
1: I'm in at a seven. I thought it was very nice. Uh, I think the production quality is really what makes it fun to play. The tiles are so nice, they sit in the board really nice nicely um the the pictures on the tile are really pretty. each of the c- colored tiles um have a different like type of stamp, and it's just really lovely. It's not. It's not heavy, it's not terribly thinky, but it's it's enough to to keep me engaged, and I enjoy playing it.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a, it seems like a cool a, game.
1: Yeah, it'd be a great game you can play. I would say this is a, more of a family game because you could play it with like your ten year old and your grandma at the same time. You know, and I like these style of games that you can really. I feel like like if you brought this to your grandma's house, she'd be likely to want to play it with you, opposed to like your fantasy themed game. She'd be like, "Oh no, thanks." Or your economic or dry euro. You know, this has got an approachable theme. I think I don't think anybody's really turned off. They might be bored by stamp collecting, but that's not. It's not in. It's not offensive in any way. You know, yeah. it's it's just lovely and and approachable, and it's, it's a good time.
0: Do you think that when you have grandkids, you're gonna be the cool grandma that plays like strategic board games? Oh yeah. Do you think like your grandkids are gonna be like my Jima is so cool? She plays. Her favorite, like she plays Lahav, even though that was from fifty years ago. Or <laughs> no, anything I like... think
1: I'm super lame. <laughs> be sick of my board games by then. I don't know. I don't know,
0: man. There could be some. There could be one of your grandkids has a podcast and their origin story is grandma showed me board games.
1: <laughs> I used to play board games with my grandma and grandpa all the time. And grandpa taught me cribbage, and my grandma we'd play like connect four and you know all the classics.
0: Did how badly did you get beaten cribbage? Was he at least like kind to you, or did he destroy you?
1: Um, I don't remember getting destroyed, so he must have been kind, okay, but I was pretty good. I picked yeah. up quickly,
0: uh, sure, yeah, well yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that, yeah, Yeah, sure.
1: I think I'll make my kids play games with me, Because they they'll they play my kids play with me when they were little. they didn't stop until they became teenagers, so I bet you my grandkids will too
0: well the other thing too is they're gonna have to do something when they visit us at the retirement center for board gamers right yeah like that's all that it's not gonna be like tvs there yeah well there's gonna be tvs there but like there's gonna be a game library so like what else are you gonna do you know we're not playing pinochle or bridge so
1: (laughs) people like yeah people love playing games like all generations i think that a lot of people just don't realize hobby games are out there, but a lot of people yeah. love games, and and these are the types of games that'll get people that will show people that other games out there exist. It's not just your classics that are yeah that are good. Like these, this is a great game to introduce to people and to play with them. Like I can, it's not just a gateway game. This is a game that you can play with casual gamers over and over again, and not yeah. with the intent of getting them into the hobby, but just just playing them a slightly more interesting game than what maybe they're used to.
0: Well, and, like, it's cool to see that the different uh, stores are carrying more of these types of games. Take, like, Target. You know, they have a very good board game selection. Like, they have some, they have, like, Terraforming Mars there. They have, you know, uh, all sorts of kinds of escape room games. They do a lot with uh, Prospero Hall games. So they do a really good job of like bringing these kind of games more mainstream, like people who aren't necessarily into the hobby can see like even at our local grocery store here in Michigan. It's called Meyer, which would be the equivalent of like maybe like a Kroger, that sort of thing. It might be slightly higher, like one tier higher than Walmart, maybe somewhere in there. But like I was there the other day and I saw that they had Everdell on the shelf like that's Yeah, that's great. Like, I wouldn't have seen that 15 years ago, you know, just to see how far everything has come. Like, it's just awesome to see that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's these themes that get people in that don't that don't associate with the nerd culture, but still like to play board games. Because I think board games are pretty universal. Most people enjoy playing games of some sort, whether it's party games or word games yeah. or card games. There's there's really a, most people enjoy playing games of, of some sort and, and finding those types of games that they like is, is fun. I agree possible because of because of games like these now do I recommend it for gamers I don't think this is a game you need to go out and buy no it's not it's not gonna it'd be a game that you would play occasionally maybe at the end of the night maybe between games you know, if you like a lot of the lighter games, then yes, this, this would be a great game for you. If you like the heavier games and you probably won't find this one terribly satisfying. It's just not crunchy enough. There's no stress. There's no, it's not, there's no tension. It's not stressing me out at all, but I would certainly play this with my, my family. You know, it's a nice game to have in my collection because I think it would get played a lot with, with people that like these lighter games. So if you're looking for a lighter game, Uh, If you're looking for a family game, if you're looking for, I think this would be a great gift um, for a kid or an adult in your life that uh, likes playing games but doesn't play a lot of the heavier games, uh, then I'd recommend Penny Black. I think it's a great little well-produced game.
0: All right. That's going to wrap up the games we are discussing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be diving in to Board Game Inserts. All right, welcome back. In this week's discussion topic, like we said, we are going to be talking about board game inserts. What is a board game insert? What kind of board game inserts are there? Do we like board game inserts? Do we not like board game inserts?
1: Should you get board game a board game insert for your game?
0: Yeah, I think I think we're going to weigh some pros and cons of the different types of board game inserts. And again, part of the what I kind of mentioned it early in the episode that this kind of came about cause we were one of the things we were talking about is getting a game to the table. How do we pick the games that we're going to be playing? And one of the main things that we consider is set up and tear down. When you consider set up and tear down, you got to think about game inserts. Um, looking at it kind of like a broad spectrum is there's really the way I see it is there's gonna be like four types of kind of categories for inserts and I'm gonna use companies to kind of express what those types of things do, but there's a lot of companies that do will do similar things to those types of things so the very first one, and I think the one that kind of like paved the way is broken token and there's a lot of companies that will do these types of inserts and they're wood inserts they're wood inlaid they're they're laser cuts, they're super fancy like you can get some really cool creative
1: and they're they're Custom design to the game. Yes,
0: completely custom. They do a lot of um, like if you have minis, they are going to be slots that they slide into. That sort of thing. You can sometimes you're going to have component trays specific to players. That sort of thing. The downfall of a broken token or a wooden insert, because a lot of people do wooden inserts, is they're expensive. In some cases, it's the same amount as the game. Sometimes more. I've seen inserts be be more expensive than the actual game in which you're getting it for.
1: Another downside is they're heavy. Yes, they take out. Yeah, you you lift it up, you're like, ooh, this has got an insert in it, you know.
0: It can be very, it can be very cumbersome. Yes, it can be heavy. So the next one that I think about is folded space, and folded space does foam inserts, and. What's nice about these foam inserts, what's nice about a foam insert is it's cheaper and it weighs less, mm-hmm. but you do need to glue it. I'm going to be transparent and say I do not own broken token inserts. I do not have I do not have one. So I don't necessarily, I'm not speaking from experience, but I know people who have put broken token or wood inserts together and haven't needed to glue them. And I've had other people say that you need to. I I can't speak to that because I don't have it, but I do own some folded space ones. Those ones you have to glue.
1: Yeah, I have a broken token um, thing for my paints. It's not an insert for board games. It's a rack for my paints for painting minis. And I did have to glue that together, which was fine. And then it's now it's together. So it's totally fine. But that's also like a stability thing, you know, setting it up for paints and moving it around a lot
0: more. Yeah, I've interacted with some some wood ones that I like. I moved something and it kinda of just fell apart and they're like, Oh, I should probably glue it, but and then like I said, you have the foam ones, which are typically cheap ish. I'm not they're not che- like cheap, cheap, but like they're usually quite a bit less expensive than the broken or the wood inserts. You need to glue them. They're lighter. But they're not as durable as, let's say, a wood insert.
1: And You they must do they must stay in the box then so they don't like pop out so the nice thing about the broken token and the wooden inserts is you can pop they often will contain little boxes that you take out then and then there's your setup or I don't think the foam ones do that
0: I the foam ones that I have the folded space ones specifically you can take them out and there you have I do have ones that are you know specific player pieces you can take them and you can give like one player all the pieces they're gonna some have like all the coins in this one. So you can then kind of set them in those different spots, but people also make their own foam inserts, which is, which I've seen a lot of people do that where they'll just make their own foam insert and just kind of glue it and everything like that. So I think that's, that's interesting.
1: I've done that before. I did it with, um, castles of med King Ludwig and, Oh, yeah, it was fun to put together, but it didn't work very well for me and you still have to sort out all the pieces and put them in the the right spot. And I didn't have like set spots. I just kind of made, like I kind of made them to be specific to the pieces that I was building them, but really they could kind of be anywhere. And it it wasn't tight enough for me. So that I kind of like didn't stay nice and neat and organized, but I only did one and I'm sure it was the design designer fault. I think
0: if you made (laughs) your own, you probably do a better job. it, It was the user error. Um, yeah, just do, just do better, Natasha.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't love it.
0: That's the thing in like we're probably gonna talk and touch this, but like inserts to me need to be they need to be functional for setup, um, which actually kind of brings me to my next set of types of inserts, which is game trays or let's call them like molded inserts, where they're very specific, thought out plastic inserts, and they typically are going to have some sort of cover on them. So when you get them, like, for example, I think of like Eclipse, each player gets their own game tray with all their pieces, but then it also doubles as a tool to like keep track of resources and different things like that within the game.
1: Okay. So this is beyond like the, just the one little insert that they have that divides the the pieces apart. Yes. this is ones that you can actually take out of the box.
0: Yeah, this the, for this, uh, I think of like games like Kickstarter, right? Kickstarter, one of the it seems like one of the stretch goals lately has been some sort of game tray, where it makes setup more streamlined. It they're functional for gameplay, that sort of thing. I know, take uh, Endeavor Age of Sales, the new new Endeavor version that came out. You know, every, the buildings on there, they had little, they had spots where you sit it, and then if you just push down on one side, they flip up so you can easily grab them. Same thing as Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, the Stonemeyer game, the same thing. You know, the, they have all the pieces out, and they're just easily able to grab. So they they form them custom, but their their functionality also transfers over into gameplay. The th- The fourth one that I want to kind of bring up Techni- okay technically there's 5 i technically i have 5 but um number 4 is 3d printed inserts and this is super popular right now there's a lot of people with 3d printers you can go on thingiverse you can find a lot of people who have already put together you know uh files specifically for games um to help with setup and i these ones are interesting because they're almost like game tray esque, where they can be extremely functional during gameplay, but they're also somewhat like broken token, where they can be somewhat lavish. I've seen some pretty cool 3D printed stuff, mm-hmm. and so I kind of did that. And then the fifth one, I'm I called random inserts, and this is just stuff publishers throw in a box that they say is an insert. Which is awful.
1: It's just a way to sort your pieces.
0: And in some cases, they're just dumb. Like, I think of Baron Park, where it's literally like a couple pieces of cardboard and you put them together and it just basically creates zones in the box to put pieces in. It's completely Mm -hmm. and utterly useless. There's no reason for it. Like, as soon as I saw that, I just got rid of it. I'm like, there's no point in this. I also think of. I've been man I've been harp like harping a lot on Alea games but like Castles of um Castles of Burgundy that the typical Alea insert with the little semi-circle recessed pieces in there it it just doesn't serve its function.
1: I think those are so offensive I actively dislike them because all they do is take up a lot of space in the box and make you feel like you're you're getting a full box. I, yeah. I I actively dislike them. I think the ones like in Wayfarers has one. It's really bad because who wants to sort out all those pieces and stack them nice and neat and put them in the box? Nobody. And they just take up room. I'd rather have them in baggies.
0: That is the other thing I was thinking about. Is like Coinbra is the one I thought of, but the same exact example mm-hmm. is it's actually a pretty nice insert, right? It's recessed. It has specific spots where you're putting things in there that sort of thing. But like yeah. functionally, of Mad
1: it, King or no Lords of Waterdeep is another great one. Yes. It yep. looks so functional, but every time you are done with the game, you got to st- stack all those coins and line them up. No,
0: it's frustrating to say the very least. Yeah. You so like, tip that, it? no, it just, yeah, those random inserts. I think like even a Zool, that sort of thing. One that I've re- uh, thought about recently too is, so I, Century Golem Edition, and I don't know if it, it, the same problem exists in Spice Road, so I can't speak to that. But uh, Century Golem, uh, Century Golem Edition, they have a spot where you put all the cards, and keep in mind the cards are not sleeved. And in my version, when I put them all into that insert, the top like five or six cards weren't in there, so they would just slide around, and like for me and my OCD, like that just frustrated me, like. Like you didn't even make it. It's almost like, eh, whatever. It, it's close enough.
1: All they had to do was lower it a little bit because that insert actually practical because it comes in those little jars. Those yep. gems come in little jars, and then you put that into the insert, and then you put the lid on it. So that's yes. really nice. Yes. But why didn't they just make it big enough for the cards?
0: I don't know. And it's just like, oh, uh, it's so frustrating. So to circle back, the those are the types of those are the different types of inserts which ones do you like which ones don't you like
1: all right i'll start with the ones i don't like i don't like the i don't like having to stack and sort pieces at the end of the game absolutely not i also don't like ones for minis where you place the minis in that particular spot i throw all those away and throw all my minis in a plastic a big plastic bag by player piece by pay uh you know color so you just pass out the different colors over there Yep. You know, so those I get rid of. I don't like anything that takes up extra space in a box. I find that completely offensive. But I do really like, like, I like the other ones. I like all of them. The 3D printed ones, the broken token, the foam inserts. I don't buy them because they're, I think they're expensive. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't, like, I don't like the wooden ones because they are so heavy. They're really, really nice. If you're going to own a game forever and you want to do it in a broken token insert, I totally get it. I love it regardless of the type. I love them when they've got their player pieces sorted out in a little box. So you just grab the box, you give out all, all the players, uh, everything that that player needs us uh, all in one little box. I love that. I love getting out a tray and having my money already sorted in the tray, all the components in this tray already sorted, easy to reach. We're not po- opening baggies and pouring them out. I love that. It, 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 it makes setup and teardown so much easy, especially, um, arc nova as another example that game like has nothing in it and an insert makes a world of difference with all those pieces and we've seen some super cool 3d printed ones where it really makes setup of that game so fast and and i love that And i think they're super practical and and if if you play a game a lot i think it's totally worth the investment of of built you know buying those and setting them all up because it makes the game so much more enjoyable, but it is expensive and it's definitely not a requirement. Um, I, when I first got Caverna, I bought like a tackle box and took, took it out of the box and put it in the tackle box. So all of the pieces are in a separate container and that's not easy to like get them out necessarily but you could just open up the tackle box and then now everything's set up. So now I just pass out the boards, pass out the player pieces, set up the cards, and then I just leave the box open and then people can just grab whatever they need. So I like that. But then I threw the box away. So that that's kind of a bummer. I know that would bother a lot of people.
0: Oh, yeah, that would bother me there. Well, I'm trying to get better at like getting rid of the expansion boxes because I used to hold on to those for uh, longer than I care to admit. Let's just say. <laughs> man inserts i th- this has been like a like almost like a little journey for me as weird as that sounds being a journey with inserts but when i first got games and i got inserts i would keep them no matter what um but i was also the type of person that would set my games flat on the shelves i wouldn't put them upright so if and it had an insert that was somewhat functional like it would be fine with me and then as far as like trying to make space on my shelves, I ended up starting to get rid of them and just throw them in baggies because the insert didn't help with setup. They specifically didn't help with setup and they specifically made uh cleanup worse. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm going back to, you talked about South Tigress, you know, Wayfarers and I'm talking about Coimbra, but they both have very similar inserts where There's very specific spots where you're putting things, and it made cleanup that much more difficult because you're trying to separate things and everything like that. So, like those types of inserts, where I used to love, I'm out. I don't like them anymore. I don't want anything to do with them. Like if I if there's a game, typically with them, I'll probably if I think I'm going to keep the game long term, I'll probably just toss the insert and bag everything, and just that way I can also put it put it upright on my shelves to help with like, you know, space, you know, you maximizing the amount of space I have Uh broken token as, as somebody that likes, you know, luxury stuff when it comes to board games and like extra, you know, nice resources and stuff like that there, the wood inserts are just expensive. And every time I've like, Ooh, I should get a wood insert for this. And then I see how much it is. I was like, you know what? It's just not worth it to me to get it. I have enough folded space, to, uh, like those foam ones. And if typically with those, they're functional. So you pull out a little tray. It has all the coins in it. You set it down. I think the one I think of when I, with this specifically is like Great Western Trail, the original one. That's the one I have it for. Um, each one of those four sites, one, two, and three, have their own box. I just take them. I set them next to the board. The coins are in their own box. I can hand a, a person all their player pieces because it's all contained in one like little sliver of a thing here you go and it just expedites setup and it also helps with cleanup because people are just like oh one's going the one spot you know coins go in this spot so it makes things easier um game trays i like most of them the one thing i will say is and this kind of comes together overall is space the problem i have some with inserts is utilizing space. And the one thing I think of specifically with like a broken, like a game trace style insert, I think of return to dark tower. So I have just about all the content for return to dark tower, which took like one and a half shelves on my, on my like shelves. It just took up a lot of space. Cause like I had the minis in its own box. I had the expansion in its own box. And then I had the original game. And then like, you know, I just received covenant. So I have a lot of that stuff. I end up tossing out the insert and bagging everything.
1: So you could fit it all in one box?
0: So I can put it all in one box. So as much as like I like those inserts and they make they can be practical and they can help with setup and teardown, I also need to conserve space. <laughs> like I don't have like Kickstarters coming out are just there's so much content and there's just so many the boxes are so gigantic. You know, like I have the you know deluxe version of Mosaic. It can't even fit on a Calyx shelf. It's too big. So it, like, sits on the floor because I just can't fit it on there, you know? So, like, it just – that's the other thing I have to take into account with these inserts is am I going to be able to fit all the content in it? You know, Lost Runes of Arnak, I bought the folded space insert for it after they released the first expansion. Like, I got it. I was like, sweet. Then they released the new expansion, and now none of it fits. You know, Mm -hmm. I have to get – so I have a friend looking into a – 3d insert for me to kind of make things a little bit easier that game i like those having those you know trays because then you can just put the rubies in the ruby spot the arrowheads in the arrow spot the tablets in the tablet spot that sort of thing
1: i do love the seven wonders Architects one that one's really really nice yes but it does take up space it's it's a bigger box it's a thick box because of those but that that's so worth it because you just you Take out all the player pieces. They're all in their separate container. You pass out the containers. You're ready to play. You're, it's just like one minute setup. Totally worth it. And and that's really to me all about whether an insert is worth it or not. It, does it does it decrease the time it takes to set up and tear it down? And if yes, then yeah, I love the a lot of the 3D printed ones. Um, they take into account like you can add like a beveled bottom to it, so it's easier yep. for your fingers to grab pieces out of a container. I really like that, you know I really like having my pieces and if they're gonna be in a container, which I really like because it keeps everything organized on the table, then I like the container to be <laughs> easy to grab things out of, not a small yeah. little container a square. it's hard to like if you've got fat fingers, it's hard to grab pieces out of there.
0: <laughs> yes, agreed. One of the things I think about too with inserts is should companies like include inserts? Should they make the effort to make nice inserts? And what like what would we consider a nice insert? Like I know game trays, it, it is one of those things that I think it's a selling point. Yeah. I think it's an upgrade like people look at it right up there with you know metal coins, realistic resources. It's a luxury item for a game and people are like, "Oh, well it has the game trays in it."
1: Yes. I do think that companies should be, they should remove those stupid plastic yeah, U- useless ones 100% save your money. Don't even print those, just empty boxes. Fine, but w- games like Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, I don't think I'd ever play that game if there wasn't an insert where the tiles can be s- sorted in them because yes. that would be so much setup just to get those tiles out and set them up for the little game. So, those games that have a large setup, Eclipse is another nice one, like, yep. Those are needed, and I think they're totally worth it, even if it costs the game a little bit more, as long as they're functional and nice for setup and storage. Like um I think even like uh Wild Tiled West, it's not an insert. It just comes, just stays in the board. But a yep. tiling game where you have to sort out all the tiles, like that sucks. And it, it does make me pause and think, oh, do I want to sort all the tiles before I play the game?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, Baron Park is a prime example. Like, if you're, you have to pull all the tiles out. You have to make sure they're in the right spots, that sort of thing. Yeah, if, like, it factors into it, you know. And I, the other thing I, I find myself weirdly thinking is, can this insert warrant me turning the game upright? Like Wild Tiled West is a prime example with that insert and the way they've created it and the way it's designed. I can set that game on its on its side. And it's fine. It's not gonna like have all the pieces scattered throughout. You know, the to go back to the example we keep using, Coinbra, like if I put that game on its side, those pieces are gonna be everywhere and it's just gonna be a hot mess when I open it up and try to like, you know, play that game.
1: Yeah. Same with Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah. And Planet Unknown. That one, I can't bring it anywhere with me because I because it falls apart. And every time I open it up, I gotta like Resort it out. It's such a pain.
0: That one, you cannot turn it on its side. Although they are in the new Kickstarter, which is I I feel, I feel weird about this. Okay. The new Kickstarter that they just had, they uh, are introducing a topper to the Lazy Susan. So you basically can cap it, which yes. means you can now put it on its side, right? Which is awesome. But why didn't they think of that in the first one?
1: yeah you know I like, obviously didn't think about it hopefully if they if they excluded it for the expansion, then that would be really crappy well,' and but, that's,
0: the, that's the thing like you think about that for a second, right? You're just like, did they do that It's unlikely, yeah, it's probably I mean, something that like they didn't it just didn't even occur to them because of it you know it's the lazy susan concept so cool, you know
1: yeah they probably weren't haul maybe they weren't hauling around or they didn't actually use the lazy Susan until it was developed or you know manufactured and so then. By then it was too late. Yeah, you learn. I mean
0: I don't know if I would like that game as much as if it didn't have that lazy Susan. And oh, not no. because of the gimmick, but because of just how I just take it, set it on the on the table, done. You, exactly. know, like,
1: you would not want to sort all those pieces out every time you play the game. You just wouldn't. Yeah. No It thanks. would stop you from playing the game.
0: Can you consider like Zen bins? You know what I'm talking about? Those little uh those little like plastic. Like little bins, like those types of things. Would you consider that like in the insert category?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. Any type of like even like a tackle box or like crafting boxes, things like that. Yeah. yeah, anything like that. You're you're making your own, right? Yep. And and they're they're nice, but not. I think it. I think they're gone at this point. They're done. Like you can 3D print something way better for the same price, yeah. probably cheaper after you purchase a 3D printer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a. That's the caveat, right? You got to purchase that 3D printer first. You got to buy that then, fella before you start. And then that's a whole other <laughs>
1: hobby you have. But now you have another new hobby.
0: I'm hyper focused on my new hobby. I'm going to learn everything about my new hobby. <laughs> yeah, it can be its its own. It can be its own separate thing, like the little rabbit hole or whatever. Yeah, inserts, man. I don't know. It's it's interesting how things have like kind of just ebbed and flowed because. The other thing is like sleeved cards never was factored into an insert. And now like it's almost like a like a feature people are putting on their inserts that they're selling will fit sleeved cards. You know, it's it's so much so much more of a consideration for people. Maybe not you. No, no.
1: And I would I don't want an insert that you slide you put cards into. I just don't. They don't stay in there. For me, yeah, like me I know. don't want a slot for cards. I want to I like to use that um Hugo's invisible tape or bondage tape or whatever you want to call it that not it's not sticky but it only sticks to itself.
0: That's yes. the best yep. for
1: cards. Because it doesn't tear the cards at all, but keeps them nice and neat. You can fit a lot more in your box too, uh, without all of the the baggies like kind of yeah. bunched up in there. You can fit a lot of cards. I've I've combined a lot of like games like i put like code names and code names duet into one box and i've put quite a few ticket to rides take the insert out you can fit like your ticket to ride and a couple expansions in there even with all the decks of cards
0: well i did the uh, that's the exact same thing i did too is especially with ticket to ride is with those expansions you know if you get a big box version like nordic countries is like almost like it's standalone well i can fit a ton of stuff in there and that insert the insert's fine it, but it's not necessarily super functional it's just as easy putting everything into a bag than it would be to put everything into those little you know little trays or whatever that they have in there yeah so like
1: it falls out of the tray
0: it's it's weird to think about like the little considerations you have with inserts like can i turn it on its side is it functional like am i You know, how much space is it wasting? Am I waiting to buy the broken token insert until I know all the expansion content is out for a particular game? Like all these different things that you think about when it comes to inserts. I'm curious with the audience, you know, with, you know, how, what do you feel about inserts? Do you guys use inserts? Do you like inserts? Is it an expense you guys don't necessarily want to like factor in? Like, what do you guys think? You know, email us, let us know. I'm curious how people feel about inserts.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please give us a review and like us on Instagram or Facebook and send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks everyone.
0: See you next week.